we have handouts. Uh, if you don't mind getting those going, maybe two directions. I didn't do a great job of dividing those out, so um, there's probably not enough on this side compared to this side. So, uh, but I'll let you guys figure that out. Make sure everybody that wants a handout gets a handout. So, as I as I mentioned, fully known is our is our is our theme. It's our it's our, our message, uh, or a series title. Now, the, the thing about fully known is it actually comes from this phrase that happens in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Now, you say, but, but Sam, Pastor Sam's doing 2 Timothy, so this is redundant. And I guess maybe to some degree it is. I would like to believe it's um, expanding or expounding on what Pastor Sam's teaching as compared to contradictory or redundant but this practical guide to discipleship relationships is the, is the angle, it's the approach that we're going to take out of 2 Timothy. So this is, these are the verses. This is pretty much the only thing we're going to really reference out of 2 Timothy. We're using this as a launching pad, as a, as a springboard for our study. Paul says to Timothy, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions. He is explaining, he's, he's, he's writing a, a letter to a dear friend, his son in the faith, and he is saying, you know me. You fully know me, Timothy. Like, there isn't much in my life that you don't know. <laughs> you fully know these things about me. And that's one of the principles that I want to communicate through this series is I want you all to the extent that this format will allow to fully know me. <clears throat> Michelle says to me after my, uh, my, my explanation last week, she's like, do I need to be prepared for anything? Um, so uh, Chris, Chris uh, Shannon, who normally sits back here, got me a hat and it says, a warning, pastor, anything you say or do can be used in a sermon. And so, <clears throat> yeah, so, so to some degree, um, she lives under that cloud, but I am going to be as transparent as possible with, your, with any questions that you have. And I've got some prompting, some slides, some pictures to prompt the discussion if, if we need it. But Timothy fully knew Paul. Now, that's not a prerequisite to the discipleship relationship. It's an outcome of the discipleship relationship, okay? And here at Midtown, when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about our discipleship ministry, of course there's teaching of the Word of God. Of course there's going through the lessons. That's the fundamental premise of one person sharing with another. But if that's all that happens, I would argue that the discipleship relationship or the ministry failed, at least to some degree, because it's a replication, a reproduction of life. And Paul is referencing here to his disciple, Timothy, hey, we've been together for many years. You fully know me. There's really nothing that in my life, Timothy, that I haven't shared with you. My fears, my anxieties, my struggles. I mean, look at this list. My doctrine the way I live, my manner of life. Like, 
I don't preach one way and then go down to the local Little Caesars because I feel like that's the only thing that was still around in Paul's time was Caesar's Pizza, right? (laughs) Makes sense, right? Some of you knew what I meant there. Um, Maybe it was Big Caesars at the time and now it's Little Caesars. I don't know. But they would go down to the Little Caesars and Paul would berate the worker behind the, the counter that was getting him his pizza. No. Like... Timothy knew every aspect of Paul. He knew his strengths. He knew his weaknesses. He knew his manner of life. He knew his purpose. He knew what drove him. He knew his faith. It was evident. His long suffering, how he worked through challenges, his charity, how he gave, his patience, how he exhibited, um, um, you know, godly characteristics in the midst of persecutions and afflictions. So over the next few weeks, as uh, the, the weeks that I teach, We're going to look at each of these in Paul's life and the relationship that Timothy and Paul had within each of these contexts, okay? And and we'll cover a couple of them in any given week, okay? So that's, again, the kind of the foundational premise here. But their story, this is where I think you you start uh, filling in the blank, and I'm trying to use some color. If you are colorblind and you do not see the differences in the color, I apologize. I'll try to still call it out. I learned many moons ago that color pe- there's more colorblind people than I realize, and including my brother-in-law, who bought a pink car because he thought it was gray. Um, true story. <clears throat> uh, so there's some tie of color here. If you don't pick up on that, you're welcome to see me after, and we'll try to make make uh, make sense of it if if you miss anything. But but Timothy's testimony of faith. Look at at Acts sixteen on the on the screen here. Acts sixteen one through five. Uh, at least we're, we're going to look at the first couple verses here. Then came he Paul to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there. Now we refer to. Timothy as Paul's disciple, but the reality is Timothy had already been discipled. Timothy was already following the Lord, okay? He was following the Lord and Paul saw it. He had a testimony of faith. He was already serving the Lord. He was already a saved believer. He had already, forgive the the trite example, been through D1 and he was living it out. He was a disciple, a certain disciple. Now, that certain disciple, that phrase certain, I think the way we would probably use that uh, an equivalent today is a special, right? He's like, man, that dude's a special dude. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean they rode the short bus, maybe, but what they mean is he's special in some aspect of his life. It was special. A certain disciple was there named Timotheus or Timothy. Now look at the second, he had some familial background, both good and bad. He was the son of a certain woman, special lady, who, which was a Jewess. So she was a, a Jew that became a believer. We can see that in, in contrast in other places in scripture, maybe a different study for a different time, and believed, and she taught him, but his father was a Greek. So literally, Timothy comes from a not necessarily a split household, but from a split religion household or from a split faith household. Dad, it doesn't look like dad went to church. The, the father figure that Timothy had had some gap in his life, spiritual, 
doesn't mean he was a bad man. doesn't mean he abused his family. There's no indication that Timothy's biological father was a bad dude, but he wasn't the spiritual father to Timothy that Timothy actually wanted or needed. And I think there's some background here to learn because when Timothy sees Paul show up and Paul is willing to be his spiritual father, Timothy latches onto that, okay? Now, everybody in this room brings different baggage with them into this room, different familial baggage, different spiritual baggage, different relational baggage, different trauma baggage. What's really cool is that Timothy brought some baggage to the table, but the Lord provided the exact thing that he needed to deal with that baggage. He didn't have a spiritual father, but he got one, okay? And I don't know what baggage you brought through those doors today, but the first little lesson here that you can take away is the Lord can meet that need if it's a need, He can resolve that problem if it's a reconciliation matter. He can solve the issue if it's a problem or an attack coming at you. Like the Lord through, generally through his people, sometimes through supernatural events, can meet your needs. And then he had evidence of ministry, which was well, meaning Timothy, was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. So it's interesting because we see Derby and Lystra and then Lystra and Iconium. I don't know exactly the geography. I didn't look it up. But if you could imagine, I, there's a place, I don't know if, you, if, you, if you're familiar with like Lee Summit, Independence, um, Blue Springs. But I guess there's a place close to 291 and 40 Highway where Blue Springs, Lee Summit, and Independence all kind of like, I'm in Independence. Nope, I'm in Lee Summit. Nope, I'm in Blue Springs. I'm kind of making that up, but like all in that. So if you could imagine three communities that are at least relatively close to one another, and the brethren in the churches probably shared uh, resources, probably covered for each other, you know, probably shared in fellowship time. So in Derby, Lystra, and Iconium is, a, is Timothy... And he's known, at, at the very least, from the, the people in Lystra and Iconium. Like, there's, like, oh, yeah, Timothy. Yeah, Timothy Timothy came over and he helped mow the lawn. I don't know. They, they didn't have lawnmowers back then. I, they brought sheep or something and they ate it. I don't know what they did, but Timothy ministered over here. He he did this. And, and oh, yeah, Timothy is a good dude. Timothy has grown up. Uh, he was taught from his youth the scriptures. And so he is a disciple. Okay, so that's that's kind of the first part of their story is that Timothy already started with the foundation of faith. Okay, as we look, as we continue in their story, we see Paul's desire in the next few verses in Acts 16, one through five in verse three, him, Timothy, would Paul have to go forth with him? So Paul actually expressed a desire, a pastoral desire. Hey, Timothy, would you consider coming with me? I see what you're doing here, and I think the Lord's got a bigger plan for you. Would you consider leaving your home, leaving your mom, leaving whatever ministry you have, and going on a greater mission? And Paul expressed that as a, as a desire. Paul wanted him to go. He wanted him to go. And I think that's... <clears throat> 
that's one of the areas I struggle with as I still, I think I referred to it as getting my pastoral sea legs under me. How much I need to push you. How much I need to say, you really need to consider doing X. Because I, I am not the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't want to be, not my job, didn't sign up for it. I'm human. That ain't going to work out between us. If I try to, if I try to interject myself as the Holy Spirit in your life, that ain't going to work. But I also know that there's times, like I've had, it's just kind of as I scan across the room, I'll try not to look at anybody in particular. <laughs> I looked at the lights. Um, there, I know I've had conversations in here with you all where I have felt like you need to disciple. And, and then people are, and then the response is like, I don't know if I'm ready. I'm like, I think you're ready. I think you need to step out on faith. Like I, I try to nudge it. I try to encourage it. But I also try not to be the mother bird that just knocks you out of the nest and is like, hope you fly, right? Um, like there's this real balance here, real balance. I had a really meaningful discussion this week with someone. Uh, it was very brief, but a very meaningful discussion where they said that I encouraged them to do something that I didn't even realize I encouraged them to do. And it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a serious implication. And I was just like, oh. I was like, my initial like humor response to me was like, don't blame me for that. You know, that's God. That's on the Lord. Like, don't, don't come back to me if this collapses and be like, you said to do it. No, that's not how it works. Like Paul had a desire, but Timothy had to be willing. The Lord had to have been working in his life. And then Paul's demand, he circum and, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they all knew that his father was a Greek, which meant he wasn't circumcised. Which kind of, this is an honest to God, real time. This came out in the last week or so. Um, Can Canadian pizza closes due to unforeseen circumcisions. Uh, due to, this was on their door. Due to unforeseen circumcisions, the dining room will be closed this evening. Sorry for the inconvenience. Open for takeout and delivery only, which evidently you can serve for due to unforeseen circumcisions. <laughs> Timothy was not expecting to have to be circumcised. So immediately, I'll, so I'll, I'll advance so we get off that. We'll go back to, <laughs> so Timothy was this willing servant that we've seen. He, had, he was well reported of. And Paul says, hey, I would really like you to come with me. And Timothy's like, okay. And he's like, but I need you to get circumcised first. Okay. Now, I don't know. That's, that's my response. Timothy might have been like, whatever the Lord wants. Like, I don't know. I am kind of looking forward to asking him the question. Okay. But like how that actually went down. But he, he Timothy was clearly willing. He was a young man that was willing to undergo a hardship for the mission that, his past, that a pastor called him to. And then look at their mission. So it went from Timothy's kind of history and then Paul's desire and demand of Timothy. And then look what happens. The pronoun, right? The pronouns change. And it says, and in verse four, as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained to the apostles and elders, which were, which were Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Like this was really cool. This is really cool because, and this happens a couple of times in the book of Acts. 
where Paul's vision becomes their vision, okay? If there's one thing I would encourage you to do, if you're on the fringe of MBT, and what I mean by that is you're not all in, try and trust the Lord to get the vision of MBT and have MBT's vision become your vision. It needs to go from Sam or the pastor's vision or MBT's vision to our vision. Those of you who have been through the new members class, they've probably referenced there is no they at MBT. If there's trash that needs to be emptied, out, emptied, there's no they will handle it. You're part of the day. You can take the trash out. Now, ladies, be careful of that. Don't take trash out by yourself in the middle of the day, you know, probably at any point, but especially at night, right? So there is some situations like that, but there's no they here. We all have to pull, we all have to carry our, our and so, so I know I just said there's no they and I just referenced they, but I think you understand the point. The they meaning someone else, right? There's no someone else that's gonna solve that. You're part of the solution. You're part of the solution. Okay. So we look back at 2 Timothy 3. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life. So all of that brought, brought them to kind of this point. Now, if you look, and I would encourage you to open, oops, open up in 2 Timothy if you're not already there. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 we're going to see kind of an interesting situation and why Paul actually references this. Like, why did he have to say to Timothy, you know me, bro? Like, he knows him. Why would he have to say that? Well, because there were, there's some context here. There were bad times, bad people, and bad ways. Look, and I'm just going to read through it pretty quickly. In chapter 3 and verse 1, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then he gives a very specific example. Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. Then he says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, etc. Paul is drawing this incredible and yet very simple contrast. Bad stuff is going to be happen, happening all around you. Bad people with bad ways and bad times. All of this stuff is going around you. But don't forget, you have known me fully. And you say, well, how does that? Well, because that is the tool by which Timothy can withstand those attacks. Okay? 
It's the tool. Paul is literally challenging Timothy to remember all the things we've been through, how you've fully known so that you can withstand and, and technically be able to teach others also to withstand because we also see that in 2 Timothy, which is really the premise of our discipleship ministry, okay? So there's the context is there's all this bad stuff going on. How do you, how do you deal with that bad stuff? Remember your foundational relationships in the Lord, okay? Remember those foundational relationships. Now, this is just one aspect. Could you, could you grow on your own without a discipler? To some degree, you could, right? Because the Holy Spirit does the teaching. But the Lord chose to leave believers on the earth after they get saved, not just for evangelism, but also for discipleship and mentorship, okay? So... So that's so look at the so look at the result. The result in verses 14 and 15, right? So we saw in 10 and 11 the the fully known jump down just a little bit, but continue in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Now, I think most of the time we think well, that means the Lord, and by definition it does. But within the context, he means Paul. Don't forget, you've learned from your mom. You've learned from the believers in Iconium and Lystra. You've learned from me, mostly from me. By this point, Timothy is well a middle-aged man, probably. He's well-grown, probably been ministering with Paul longer than he was alive before the point he left with Paul. The vast majority of his spiritual growth has happened with Paul. So, so yes, it's from the Lord, but it's from Paul. And that from a child thou hast ho- uh, known the Holy Scripture, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus, right? So, so, so Timothy, how do you deal with the bad situation whole heart member, how do you deal with the world you live in today? It's continuing. Don't stop. Don't go backward. Continue. Continue to move forward. Like, just continue, what? In, in the things which thou hast learned, or which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. And then you have confidence. You have confidence because you know where you've learned them. You know it fully. Like, we... I still think it's interesting that people call us a cult. I yet, I have never once locked the doors from the outside of this ministry with people still inside. And even if I tried to do that up in the main building, I don't, I think you could maybe do that here at the Meyer, but up in the main building, they have fire escape doors. You can still get out even if I lock them. You can leave this ministry whenever you want. Like we will not, I mean, we will chase you to the extent we, we will communicate to you that we think you're making a mistake if you are in fact making a mistake. Sometimes people leave for lots of good reasons, okay? But the door swings fully open, but we want everyone to buy in, not drink the Kool-Aid, to buy in to the ministry. Because if you do and you get trained in the word of God, you will know. And that confidence, that confidence will carry you through hard times. When things are falling down around you, 
I, I actually had a pastor who sent a message to me and just had a really rough week. I mean, just thing after thing after thing after thing, maybe last two weeks, thing after thing just kept coming at him. And so I sent him an, an encouragement, like, the Lord's got you, bro. If I can help you, let me know. Like he, and he said, I know, I know it's going to be okay. And I was just like, wow, that was really cool. He knew, he knew. There was no doubt in his mind. Now, it didn't, it didn't make the crud that he was going through any less cruddy, <laughs> right? It didn't change all the verses one down through whatever, nine. All of those attacks and challenges that were coming at Timothy. But Paul encouraged him and he says, you know, thou hast known from a child. And, and then that it's also his foundation that he's known from a child. Now, not everybody has that foundation. Not everybody in here was saved at a young age. But once you get saved, you have a foundation. And that's the thing to remember. You have to have, and you, and you, you, you're a spiritual child. And so from that point forward, you start growing spiritually. Now, I don't always do this, but I want to spend just a few minutes talking about the Greek word here because it's one Greek word that is fully known, okay? Those two words are one Greek word. I think I've said this before, but if you, if you get an electronic, right, or uh, sometimes a medicine or different things, you buy something and you get an instruction book, it comes in multiple languages usually. You guys with me on that? Like, and you can see a sentence in English and see a sentence in whatever other languages, Spanish, French, some of the other languages that are, that are um, you know, recorded in that, uh, in that book. And they have different numbers of words, okay? That's the limitations to language is in one language, we can have a word that's combined and in another language, it's two separate words that have to go together. And that goes back and forth. It's not just a limitation in English, although it's, a, it's, it's also a limitation of all of them. So between Greek and English, there was one word that means to know fully or fully known. Okay? And it's this para-acolutheo, I don't even know how to say it. Which para, probably you're familiar with like, uh, uh, a, um, what's the, somebody's a, a teacher, a para, or a paralegal, or a paraprofessional, or a, what's the word for, para, and it, they just, paraprofessional, right, paraprofessional, so it just means that they are with, and they help the primary, so a paralegal is someone with a specific amount of training that usually helps an attorney, Okay, and that takes all sorts of forms. They can read documents, they can summarize documents, they can prepare documents. Like it's the whole the whole gamut, right? Same with the paraprofessional. There's varying amounts of work that they do to support a teacher or the teaching process, right? So para is pretty straightforward, right? It means kind of with or 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 of, from, out of kind of concept. But this other word is to follow, to reach or to disciple. And that word is from a Greek root word, meaning road. And that's why the first image on our, on, our, uh, on our PowerPoint is two men walking on the road because one, I can't even begin to imagine how much time Timothy and Paul spent together in travels. 
and how much Paul taught Timothy during those travels. Like that's literally mind blowing to me. But this literally means for two people to walk together for an extended period of time. And I just think that's really cool. It just means that they are knit together in their journeys, in their purpose, in their bigger picture journey. So when you look at, and this is more for completeness sake, we won't spend a lot of time here. But when you look at the other three times this word appears in the Greek manuscript, it's in Mark 16, Luke 1, and 1 Timothy 4. These signs shall follow them that believe. It's interesting because it literally means it's the expected effect. Like it's kind of almost indivisible. So fully known is two people that really, Timothy really knew Paul. It's kind of hard to determine when Paul stopped and Timothy started, if you will. And it's the same here. These signs shall follow. These signs are the expected outcome of somebody who's following the Lord. Or complete comprehension. And these are just my words to describe it. But in, in Luke 1, it seemed good unto me also having had perfect understanding to fully know all things from the very first. Luke is, is documenting his, uh, his, uh, his gospel. And then we also see in 1 Timothy 4, it's a realized result, which is very similar to this expected effect, right? But if thou put in re- the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in the words of faith and good doctrine. It's, a, it's an eerily similar concept that he said in the first letter, whereunto thou hast attained, what you're holding on to, okay? What you're holding on to. Now, the best illustration that I can come up with, and I've tried to paint this picture, the best illustration that substitute word that I can come up with for fully known this concept of relationship, the discipleship relationship is the word apprenticeship, okay? Apprenticeship. Because that's what technically a disciple is. They're a spiritual apprentice, okay? They're a spiritual apprentice. So if you were to think of uh, apprentices throughout history. So we see uh, some sort of carpentry apprentice, some sort of blacksmith, a shoe cobbler, even nursing apprentice, uh, baking, uh, cooking, uh, you know, uh, food preparation, apprenticeships. Usually a small child, a relatively young child would come in and at first all they would do is watch. Watch. Then they would I think start helping. They would go get the flour or they would go get the nail or they'd go get the stock. Uh, They would maybe start uh, preparing the wood or looking, evaluating, like they would start helping. And then as time progresses, they get more and more responsibility. That is literally what happens in the discipleship process in our church. Initially, the only thing a disciple probably does is maybe read verses, gives their opinion on things. And then as the discipleship process progresses, they get more responsibilities. Well, how does that contrast with this? And they start dividing the word of God. They start understanding. They start breaking it down for themselves, right? A little bit. Then they get some homework and they have to come back with having studied out a word or understand a passage or something, right? It's literally a spiritual apprenticeship. 
That's literally what it is. Now, apprenticeship was very prevalent in antiquity. It's actually documented as a process in this code of Hammurabi. Uh, in the 1700s BC, it was actually documented as a person that would watch and learn under somebody else. But when you think of biblical examples, Samuel was taken by Hannah and left at the temple as a as a kid, a couple year old kid, so that he could apprentice as the 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 prophet, right? Um, Elisha, same. He leaves as an older man. He leaves his uh, oxen pulling. He leaves all that because he just wants to follow Elijah. We see Paul sit under under Gamaliel, the feet of Gamaliel. The oldest thing that I could find in scripture that kind of referenced it, and it's a little bit of an uh, an extrapolation, so I just want to be transparent on that, is in Genesis 4.22, and um, that Tubal-Cain was an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. So early on, and, and look, it's not a hard concept. The person that knows it passes it on to the person that doesn't know it. Like it's pretty straightforward. But every corner that is cut between the, 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 uh, the master and the apprentice creates a problem for the apprentice when they become a master, okay? They're gonna have to make an error. They're gonna have to learn the lesson some other way if the master doesn't teach it to them, okay? Or if they don't get it, right? Sometimes it's taught to them, but they didn't process it, didn't think it was important, okay? So apprenticeship has been going on for a long time. Also, and this is kind of an interesting quote from this historian, Paul Douglas, Another function of apprenticeship is the development of character and good citizenship. Originally, it was preparation for life, not just a a preparation for technical pursuits alone. So if a master was teaching an apprentice and that apprentice was kind of a jerk and wasn't being a reasonable person, they'd be like, I'm done teaching you. Like if the apprentice showed up with a chip on their shoulder and like the world revolves around me and you're here to teach me, guess what, buddy? Hit the road. I don't, I don't have time for this, right? Because it's, more, it's not just about how you hammer the, the metal and shape it. It's about this is going to be your trade. This is how I interact with somebody when I make a sale. This is how I trade for supplies. This is how I interact with the community, right? Because it's not just how to bang a hammer on an anvil or to, to sew a shoe or make sure the bread's the right uh, done. It's more, it's, it's more than that. There's interaction, there's character. Notice in Samuel, 1 Samuel and 1 Kings with the Samuel and Elisha um, examples, Samuel ministered before the Lord. He was a servant, so not just a learner, but a servant. Same with Elisha, they, he ministered to Elijah. And the, the apprenticeship relationship was special. In 1 Samuel 3, And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for thou didst call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord had called the child, finally. Right? I don't know if you caught this, but he's living with them. <laughs> like, their bedrooms are right next to each other or something. Like, that's a pretty special relationship. I have discipled a good number of folks. I don't know that any of them have ever lived with me. 
for good and bad. Like, but over time, the relationships have become very deep, very deep to where there were times that though the, the guy that discipled me understood what was happening in my spiritual life and knew how to respond to it. Now, it's to, it's to Eli's shame that he didn't catch that the first time, that it took him three times to catch it, right? But he did finally catch it. And the disciple were, it's like, this isn't just, oh, we had somebody that signed up for discipleship. Oh, you're available. Like, it becomes a pretty important relationship. Because when the disciple comes to you and says, I'm really struggling with this situation at work, well, why? What's going on with that situation at work? Or I'm having this trouble with my, my sibling or, or my kid or whatever, right? And trying to get to the root of that, is it a lack of faith? Is it a lack of trust? Is it a lack of character? Do we need to change them? Like all number of things. That discipler is the first line of kind of defense in helping them in their walk. It's a very special, even in 1 Thessalonians 2, as you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children. So that's what an apprenticeship, like often children would apprentice under their fathers because it was, a, it was already a spe- special relationship. Like if you were taking your kid, your five-year-old kid to start apprenticing or four-year-old, three-year-old kid under somebody else, talk about a trust factor in that person, Right? Like this wasn't just necessarily at the end of five o'clock, your little five-year-old brings their, their lunch pail home and how did work go today, kiddo? Oh, it was great, dad. We had trouble with the black, uh, the, what is it, the anvil. I don't know. Like, like that isn't, like you were entrusting them to rear your kid in the many ways. The Lord is trusting us to be an active participant as a father Raises a child in the disciple process. All these other references, Philemon 2, I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Paul and Timothy, again, it was hard to, to stop, see where one started and one stopped. And Paul sent Timothy as his emotional ambassador. <laughs> In 2.22, but, but ye know the proof of him that as a son with the father, he hath served with me in the gospel. And again, you can see that most of these reference this father and son type relationship that Paul and Timothy had. Now, apprenticeship combats a couple of things. Now, we'll go back to, if, you're not, if, you, if you left, go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. And at least it combats some of these things. I pulled these out as examples. One of them is people are lovers of themselves, right? Um, Yeah, I don't remember where that was. Verse two, thank you. Lovers of their own self. Uh, So we'll do each one. So lovers of their own self. Well, what does uh, apprenticeship or discipleship do? Well, it starts very early by forcing you to give to others. The apprenticeship was, or the apprentice wasn't rich at the end of their first day. <laughs> they gave more than they got. They, they, you had to learn how to give. You had to learn how to give. And then the next was boasters. People are boasters or proud. Well, you understand your humility real fast when you realize you can't do 
what that master is doing and you have to practice a few times, right? You have to mess up a few shoes or you have to burn a few loaves or, or you have to start over with the iron in the fire because you didn't do it right. You learn a good apprentice understands with humility very quickly. And then the unthankful, well, you learn to appreciate. You learn to appreciate the investment the other person's making in you. If not, that relationship wouldn't have lasted. And I just, the Lord just gave this to me. These are probably also warning signs for disciplers in the room. If you see somebody that's not giving to others, that's not humble in their approach to studying the scripture as you, as you teach, or if they don't learn to appreciate, those are warning signs that it's not, I guess I'll say, taking in their life, okay? Now, that's, it could be for any number of reasons. But, and then the last is ever learning. So you, we know some people that are perpetual learners, and I, I actually like, I'm a perpetual learner. I love, like, super dorky, but I, I love watching, like, Mysteries at the Museum or or Abandoned, Mysteries of the Abandoned, I think it's on History Channel, because all it is is it's like this 10-minute story about this thing, like an old castle or a, a fort from World War II or um, a gun, I don't know, just whatever, like a doll that was in a movie. I, and I'm like, wow, I learned something that I didn't know. So I love learning, and I've forgotten most all of it. But the key is you have to be able to apply the learning, right? You have to be able to apply the learning. So an ever-learning apprentice is going to get fired, if that makes sense. At some point, you got to be able to do it yourself. You've got to apply the learning. A, a disciple has to apply the learning, okay? They have to apply the learning. All right, so I'm officially done with content. Now we will transition. I'm going to, I'm going to stop this because 